When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. What is going on, everybody? Dan Grosser Show right here on 98.7 ESPN. You know the drill. You know the number. It's 800-919-3776. At Dan Grosser is where you can find me on Twitter, G-R-A-C-A. Jacob Perry and Harvey Cruz. I'm looking right at them. I'm looking them right there square in the eye. They're here. They're producing the program tonight. And we got you covered for the next three on a busy Sports Tuesday. We got both of our baseball locals in action. Yanks and Sox renew that rivalry tonight up at Fenway Park. Just a two-game affair, but still important nonetheless. And you like to think that the Yankees maybe have calmed the waters a little bit, right? They've quieted the storm, and maybe they found themselves after a nice weekend against the Tampa Bay Rays, and the bats came to life. We'll see if that day off yesterday does anything to hinder that. But Garrett Cole gets the ball. And we'll be all over that game for sure. In the Mets, meantime, they're going to give the ball to their ace and arguably the best pitcher, and not arguably the hell with it. Let's say it. He's the best pitcher in baseball in Jacob DeGrom against a Chicago Cubs team, which caught the Mets napping last night, let's be honest, right? Which was kind of surprising when you consider the Cubs, who had to play on Sunday night baseball. That game didn't finish until very late. Then they had to fly all the way to New York, and they still took it to the Mets last night. Chris Bassett didn't have it. So now they turn to DeGrom, and hopefully, just hopefully, the Mets' bats are going to come to life after last night falling back into that old spell of not being able to manufacture any offense and not getting any clutch hits, leaving 10 guys on base. I mean, enough is enough is enough. That is played, if you ask me. So we'll uh, keep our eyes on the baseball as we move forward for the next few hours, as we do always. But we got to start with the football. And, you know, sometimes you get a good Monday night game. Sometimes you don't get a good Monday night game. Last night, I I don't know if it was necessarily a crisp, well-played game, right? I don't even know if we have to go to those extremes, but it at least provided some drama when it was all said and done, right? At least kept you entertained until the very end. I mean, the ratings were just through the roof. I think it was something like 19 million people or something watched that game last night, and, you know, maybe some of it was to watch Joe Buck and Troy Aikman do their first game in the ESPN booth, which was kind of cool. And I mean, heck, ESPN's paying them enough money. We know that. But you got a game that went down to the final minute, and it was marred with a very controversial decision. But I'm not even going to start at the end of the game. I'll go back to the beginning. And this has also gotten a lot of play all throughout Tuesday. And when the Denver Broncos ran out onto the field last night, you had a chorus of boos, not just greeting the visiting team, which, you know, you're going to get in any stadium, of course, but specifically, how about... The new quarterback of the Denver Broncos, Russell Wilson, a guy who was a Seattle Seahawk, a guy who was the face of the organization for a good long while. And this is how they greeted him. Now, I got confused when I first heard that because that's what I hear when I walk into the studio every single day. You know, I I don't know what they have against me, but, you know, I got to deal with it. And those are the people that I know. <laughs> anyway, 
But seriously, my message to Seahawks fans, and I don't know if they're listening to this show right now. I know that, you know, the NFL is popular and it's national, and there's probably some Seahawks fans here in our listening audience. But the question I have for you is, like, why are you booing him? And I know things got a little nasty at the very end and the way it all played itself out. And, you know, I I guess in so many ways it was a situation where, you know, Seattle wanted to cut ties, Wilson wanted to move on, and that's exactly what happened. But don't boo a guy who quite possibly is the best football player to ever put on your uniform in the history of your franchise. See, people have short memories. They really have short memories. And and what I'll say to the Seahawks fans is, is that you were nothing You were nothing before Russell Wilson got there. Nothing. Like right now, and I know that this season the expectations are not very good, despite the win last night, they're not going to be a good team. But Seattle was probably one of the model franchises in the National Football League for the last decade. And yet Pete Carroll deserves some of that credit, John Schneider, the GM and whatnot, but the quarterback. You know, you always have a chance when you have a legitimate franchise stud quarterback. And Russell Wilson provided that every time he stepped out on the field wearing a Seahawk uniform. And fans forget that? You know, it's funny. Once upon a time, like when Seattle was going to the Super Bowls, right? And I was doing a national show then. I had Seahawk fans for that year when they won it all, like coming out of the woodwork, left and right. And they were dropping the D word dynasty they were hitting me with that every five seconds dynasty we're a dynasty we're gonna be a dynasty we're gonna win championship after championship and you know what happened they didn't become a dynasty because they only won one championship they should have won two but the offensive coordinator was a moron and he decided to throw the ball at the three yard line instead of giving it to Marshawn Lynch and then they would have won a Super Bowl instead Tom Brady got another one like he needed more But before that, there was no Seahawks. Nobody was talking about the Seahawks on a national level, that they were this, like, big-time franchise. There were no 12s. Like, growing up with the Seahawks, and this was when they were still in the AFC, by the way. I remember them in the AFC West. There were no 12s. That building was not the toughest place to play in football. None of that stuff. When they were playing their games in the Kingdom, you think people feared going into Seattle? They didn't care. The place was empty half the time. There was no national attention on this team. And that's how you're going to treat Russell Wilson? You were nothing before he got there. Nothing. I don't care how things fell out at the end. Now, I digress. Because for whatever you think the reception might have been for Russell Wilson, think about the reception that Nathaniel Hackett got when they arrived back at the Bronco facility, you know, in the middle of the night, if there were people waiting out. Or how he's going to be greeted when Denver has that first home game, right? And I'm sure that if you're listening to this and you hear the name Nathaniel Hackett and you're a Jet fan, you realize, wait, Hackett, Hackett, and you're putting two and two together. Yep, same guy, same family. Remember Paul Hackett? He was the Jet offensive coordinator about 20 years ago under Herman Edwards. Not exactly a popular figure among fans. You know what I'm talking about. But, yeah, Nathaniel is Paul Hackett's son. And last night, based on what we saw, he's a chip off the old Hackett. Is he not? Settling, settling. Not forced, settling for a 64-yard field goal. Think about that for a second. Imagine, like, I I don't know how rudimentary your football knowledge is and so on and so forth or any of these things, but even if you had just, like, a working knowledge of the game, who in their right mind would elect to play for a 64-yard field goal on the road, mind you, not in – see, maybe Nathaniel got confused and he thought it was a home game and he thought they were in Denver – Because Denver, when you have that altitude there, you can kick field goals 64 yards, 65 yards, and with room to spare. Right? They do that there. But not in Seattle. 
Nobody's kicked a field goal that long in that building, ever. Not to mention his own kicker has never kicked a field goal that long. But you try for a 64-yard field goal instead of electing to try to get five yards and put the and the ball in the quarterback's hands, the guy that you gave how many draft picks up for, the guy you paid $240 million. Think about that for a second. That was the choice. McManus never made a field goal 62 yards or more in his career. And he missed the practice kick. Remember, they snapped it back, and then he took the kick while Seattle tried to freeze him. And that still did not sway Nathaniel Hackett from having common sense prevail. And by the way, kickers that have attempted field goals of 64 yards or more in the history of the National Football League, only two of them were made, and 39 of them were missed. So think about that. Two for 41. And yet Nathaniel Hackett decided, yeah, that's a good strategy. Yeah, the percentages are in our favor. But think about that for a second if you're the coach. You traded draft picks. You paid Russell Wilson $242 million. You had over a minute left on the clock. And you had timeouts, plural. Plural. To try to get a little bit closer. At least give Wilson a chance to get five more yards. And you instead elected to try an impossible field goal. And Russell Wilson threw for how many yards last night? You know, it's not like we were watching the, you know, the Joe Flacco offense on Sunday where they couldn't sustain drives. They threw the ball for 340 yards on Sunday afternoon, and they kept shooting themselves in the foot inside the 10-yard line. But I would have put my faith that my quarterback could get me five yards. Otherwise, what are you paying him for? You're paying that guy all that money and you don't trust him to get you five yards? That's, that's, that, that's a good philosophy. That's good team building. Way to build a winner. And then, to make matters worse, after the field goal's no good and Seattle and Geno Smith are taking a knee, he decides to use his timeouts during Seattle's kneel downs. I I mean, you, you can't make it up. You cannot make it up. And I was the fool, by the way. I feel like a fool now, at least for the next seven days. I picked Denver to be my surprise team this year. I picked them to be a wild card, thinking that Russell Wilson would make a difference. But you know what? If the coaches are not going to allow him to be a difference maker, then it ain't going to do me any good, is it? And then once January arrives and the season is over, I'm going to be that fool who picked the Broncos to make the playoffs. Yeah, don't remind me. Hard enough on myself. I guess it's not as easy when you don't have Aaron Rodgers. You're Nathaniel Hackett, right? That'll cover up a lot of the decision-making and flaws and all those other things. But my goodness. My goodness. So here's Nathaniel Hackett last night. This is him after the game last night on the decision to try that field goal. Fourth and six for me during that time, we have been just moving it slightly. Uh, they weren't moving it with big chunks. I think we had just given up a sack right before that. Uh, so wanted to be sure that we took a chance when we had a chance. And I felt confident in, in, in him. Imagine that is the hill that you want to die on. You're essentially doubling. Well, he doubled down when his kicker missed the practice try. That was number one, and then he decided to go all in again with the postgame comments. I mean, that is risky. So I don't know if it was the long pl- or the plane ride home. I don't know if it was a good night's sleep, if he got a good night's sleep. Moment of clarity in the morning, whatever it was. But when he met the media today, he sounded a little bit more rational about it. 
you know, looking back at it, we definitely should have gone for it. Just not, you know, one of those things you look back at it and you say, of course we should go for it. We missed the field goal. But in that situation, I mean, we had a plan. We knew that the 46 was the mark. We were third and 15, I think, third and 13. I'm more upset about that play before it to lose yards, to be able to getting that there would have definitely uh, been better to be able to call that same play and get extra yards. But um, he dumps it out to Javante. Javante makes a move, goes a lot farther than I think we had anticipated. We were expecting to go for it on fourth down. And then you hit the mark. Javante Williams is a guy that needs more touches, by the way, if you're the Broncos moving forward. You know, Javante Williams was a guy a couple of years, you know, in North Carolina, he shared the backfield with Michael Carter, now in the Jets. Both had 1,000 yards their last year down in uh, down at UNC. But I don't know. You know what? You give him credit because most coaches won't even admit to it even 24 hours later. But it's a fine line, isn't it, when you talk about coaching and being aggressive and doing the smart thing. Like, for example, last night we sat here and we gave all the credit in the world, and rightfully so, to Brian Dayball. And the way that he coached that game on Sunday afternoon in Tennessee, when the Giants scored that touchdown, instead of taking the safe route and kicking an extra point to tie the game and maybe send it into overtime, what did Dayball decide to do? He decided to go for the win and he called a two-point conversion. Now, if that two-point play doesn't work and the Giants lose by a point, Probably a lot of people are sitting there killing Dayball and saying, what do you do? How do you coach that way? That's reckless. Take the extra point. Play for overtime. Momentum is on your side. Blah, 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 blah. You want to hurt all that stuff. Just like we're saying about Nathaniel Hackett. Like, why do you try that field goal? Instead, try to pick up the first down, get a little bit closer. Fine line. And it's a results-oriented business, as we know. And Geno Smith walks off the field as a hero. Think about that. Geno Smith, former Jet, former Giant. Geno Smith wins a game, wins his first game of the season as the Seahawks quarterback. What did Geno think for all the people writing him off? The folks you said had written you off, maybe? What do they say to them? Yeah, they wrote me off. I ain't right back, though. That's the problem. I ain't right back. Let's go. Or maybe he didn't have paper, pen, their address. I don't know, a variety of reasons. You know, like I said, he, he had his moment. He had a good game, but Seahawks still aren't a good team, you know? Seahawks are still basically playing out this season, and they want to <laughs> lose as many games as possible so they can draft their next quarterback. It's not like they're married to Geno for the next 10 years. We know that. So let him have his night. I'll take Russell Wilson any day of the week, if you ask me. And also, early in the game last night, how about Jamal Adams getting injured? Again. For the Seattle Seahawks. I mean, you feel bad for the player. You don't want to wish injury on anybody, but it sounds like he's going to be lost in all probability for the season. Joe Douglas got two first-round picks for Jamal Adams for safety. Seattle gave up two first-round picks for Jamal Adams, a safety. And they had to turn around and pay him after that. But a fun Monday night opener and some head scratchers, to say the least. And it costs the team a game. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. we got a busy show for you on this Tuesday. We will talk some football, recap the Giants, recap the Jets, and what we saw from week number one with our pal Anthony Becht. He'll join us coming up at 8 o'clock. Speaking of a guy who played once under Paul Hackett with the New York Jets, uh, see if Anthony wants to take a stroll down memory lane as far as that is concerned. We'll do some baseball coming up at 9. Our good pal Chris Jimenez of MLB Network Radio, former big league catcher. He'll join us, talk a little Mets, Yanks, Pujols in the pursuit of 700, all those things. But when we come back, it's the story that just won't go away. Today was an off day, right, for the football teams. But yet, 
All anybody wants to talk about are receipts. Like the CVS receipts, the ones that are like longer than the Constitution. And what the comments the Jet head coach made yesterday regarding keeping tabs on all of them. Dan Gross' show, 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. So one week in the books officially in the NFL. You know, you get a little bit of a glimpse as to how these teams are, even though it's not the end-all be-all. You know, one, one game means nothing. Whether you win, whether you lose, whether you play good, whether you play bad, it really and truly means absolutely nothing. And I'll even dare say that Two weeks into the season, it really doesn't even mean all that much. You know, there's still time to turn it around if you start 0-2. There's still time to go into a funk if you start 2-0. you got to play at least, you know, four or five games before you start to get a true read on what these teams are going to be here for the entire season. But certainly, when you look at a team like the Jets, and you look at how they've fared for the last, you know, decade pretty much, there's an urgency and there's an incentive to winning and winning soon. Because I think from a fan's perspective, you're tired of the rebuilding. You're tired of the, let's bring in new players. You're tired of the, well, let's hope this draft class pans out. You're tired of the new coach, the new general manager. You know, whatever type of new operation is going to be in the fold over in Florham Park. right? You you guys want results. You want to win. I want to win. Everybody wants to win. And it's been a while. You know, you've only had one winning season, basically, in the last 10 years. That's not good enough. And I think the people in that building know that as well. From the top all the way down. And so I'm sure that even though it's only one game, and even though that the pressure is on, and he didn't play all that great against the Baltimore Ravens on Sunday, the incentive is there to turn this thing around in a hurry. And so when Robert Sala met the media yesterday, for those that haven't had a chance to hear it, this is what he had to say and remaining steadfast in how he believes it will indeed turn around. You're just going to feel it. Uh, and, and in a way, it, it does just click where you're just stacking up day after day after day. And, and it's really, really cool when it does happen because it, it just absolutely pops off the tape. And, uh, and I know it's going to happen. And I'm and I'm taking we're, we're all taking receipts on all the people who continually mock and, and say that we ain't going to do anything. I'm taking receipts and I'm going to be more than happy to share them with all of y'all when it's all said and done. You know, we talked about this last night a little bit towards the end of the show. Not too much, because I got to be quite honest with you. 
I didn't expect it to blow up like it did today. You know, on a local level, on a national level. I mean, this is all the people were talking about, about the Jets. It's not even so much, all right, what happened in the game last week against Baltimore? What happened next week or what will happen next week against the Cleveland Browns and here on out? And how much time is Zach Wilson going to miss and all those things down? It was just about these comments that the coach made yesterday. And I had zero issue with what he said 24 hours ago. I, I really and truly didn't. And people that are taking exception to it, I, I, for the life of me, I can't figure it out. Like, what do you want him to say? Do you want him to not believe they're going to turn it around? Do you want him to come up and say, well, you know what? We're just going to keep on losing. So everybody that's hopeful that we're going to win some games, guess what? Joke's on you. It's not happening. Of course he's not going to say that. You think these guys that 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 coach that team that are all in, in in football operations and they put in those long hours for weeks and months and all of it for go to waste and they want to go out there and lose and be a laughing stock week in and week out year in and year out? Why are you doing it? You're just doing it for a paycheck? Nice check? Yeah, it's a good check. It's a good living, good lifestyle. But you know what? You got to win or all that stuff goes away. No different than a star athlete. You know what? He comes on with a lot of acclaim and all these high hopes and expectations and, you know, making all this money and all the attention. Well, you know what? That goes away if you don't win, if you don't produce. Bottom line business. That's what sports is. You have to produce. So what's the issue with this? He believes that they're going to turn this thing around. Great. And if you're a fan, isn't that what you want to hear? Right? You're a Jet fan. Don't you want to hear your head coach actually be confident? That he thinks a winning product is going to be on that field sooner rather than later. And when the day comes that they're going to have the last laugh, I think they're entitled to it. But explain to me, because a lot of people, I guess, take exception with the fact that by him saying this and by him acknowledging that a lot of people out there maybe are saying unflattering things about the organization, that that is standing in the way of them actually turning things around on the football field and getting to be that winning program. How do those correlate? Explain that one to me. I'm trying to figure it out, right? I'm trying to figure it out. Like, here's Keyshawn, former Jet, by the way, on his own show, KJM, here on the network this morning. As a coach, why are you paying attention and listening to people that are paid, fans that pay to go to games, and people that are paid to talk about the games? If you go back a year ago, he was worried about what Rex Ryan said. Coach the damn team. There's a certain adding up of information. Stop worried about what Rex Ryan is talking about. You're not him. Okay, I'm not you. I'm going to do it my way. Stop worrying about Max Kellerman, J. Will, Keyshawn, talking about how the team doesn't look inspired. Well, news for Keyshawn, he's not worrying about them, okay? I can confirm that. He's not. And, and if you want to go back to last year, I mean, we, I, I don't have it handy, okay? But during one of his press conferences, he was asked about the comments that Rex Ryan made on television about the Jets and about Robert Sala. It's not like Robert Sala began a press conference one afternoon and said, good morning, everybody. You know, and as far as Rex Ryan is concerned, no, he was asked a question. And what would people have said if he decided to punt on the question? If he's, oh, well, you know what, no comment, I'm not going to touch that. Then people say, well, why isn't he answering about it? What, he can't stick up for his team? Does he not believe in his team? Because I guarantee you that's what he would be saying. So he answers the question honestly, and the guy can't win. And then this thing happens yesterday because of a question that was asked. This is the reaction that ensues. 
Look, I understand we're in the talking business. We're in the communication business. We all do these shows every single day. We need things to talk about, right? You want to say it's a, it's contriving a topic? It's trying to just make something out of nothing to make the show go by faster? I don't know what it is. But when I heard him say that, yes, and shoot, I was in the damn building when he said it. All right? I was in the building. Up in the studio, doing my little podcast up there for the Jets. Sit next to Sheldon Rankins. And Sala was downstairs and he was doing the press conference and I guess that's when it was said. I didn't think it was a big deal. Mike Tannenbaum, our buddy, our pal, former Jet GM, also doubled down on KJM today. For a guy that says to ignore the noise, he's listening to every bit of it. I would sit him down and say, don't read anything. Don't listen to anything. What you need to worry about, the Baltimore Ravens came into that stadium without their left tackle, Ronnie Stanley, their best running back, J.K. Dobbins, without a really good corner, Marcus Peters. They made no excuses and won the game. And if Coach Parcells was coaching at Robert Sala right now, he would say one thing to him, no one cares. Just go win football games. And you haven't done enough of it. And as a leader, that was not what he needed to do. When you're a leader, you take all the blame and you deflect the praise and put it on your shoulders and convince those men in the room when they come in on Wednesday morning that we have a real chance to win the next week. First off, I mean, we don't have to continue to dig up the bodies again. You know, he could sit here and talk all he wants about, you know, who Baltimore didn't have, but you know who they did have? They had Lamar Jackson. They had Lamar Jackson on Sunday. And the Jets, you know who they didn't have? They didn't have their starting quarterback. And they didn't have, let's see, their... First string tackle, the guy they signed to replace that tackle, too. So if you want to play like, you know, let's play spade a spade here. Because I guarantee you that if Tyler Huntley was a quarterback on Sunday and not Lamar Jackson, game might have had a different outcome. Might have had a different outcome. So I, don't, I think that's completely irrelevant when you're trying to tie it into what Robert Sala said yesterday. To me, that's an agenda. It's like you're just sitting there trying to needle a guy that maybe, maybe you have an issue with. One should have nothing to do with the other. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. Get your thoughts on this when we come back. Guys, help me figure it out. Dan Gross' show, 9870 ESPN. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. You know, let's rewind a little bit before we get to the calls here. Let's rewind... Remember when Rex Ryan rolled into town? And I love Rex, right? Love Rex. But when he rolled into town in 2009, remember, he was never a head coach before. Never won a damn thing as a head coach at that point. I know that he was an assistant coach and all those things. Great. But as a head coach, he had not even coached a game yet in the NFL. And he went up there and was saying things like, hey, I, you know, I'm not afraid of Bill Belichick. I'm not kissing Bill Belichick's rings. And everybody loved it. Thought it was the greatest thing in the world. Loved it. Remember his introductory press conference? You know, you take a swing at one of ours, we'll take a swing at two of yours. Loved it. People ate that up for an organization and for a fan base, which let's be honest, when Rex came into town, 
the previous decade was a hell of a lot more fruitful than this past decade has been for the Jets, has it not? That team went to the playoffs under Herman Edwards, went to the playoffs under Eric Mangini. This team hasn't gone to the playoffs in a decade. More. So why are we eating all that stuff up back when Rex came in, but now Robert Sala says we're keeping receipts because when we turn this thing around, we're going to stick it right back to those people. But yet, he's off base, and he should concentrate on coaching the football team. How many people said that Rex should concentrate on coaching the team once upon a time when he said those things? Don't worry about the Patriots. Worry about your own team. All I know is that Rex beat the Patriots a few times. One playoff game in particular, right? So maybe it wasn't a problem. Emmanuel is in Flushing. Leadoff hitter tonight. Dan Gross' show, 98.7 ESPN. Emmanuel, how are you? Uh, I'm good. How are you, man? Good, Emmanuel. What's up? Listen, I will say this. Look, I understand where you're coming from, but here's the thing. Well, you're 4-14 and in your first 18 games as a head coach of, of any NFL team. It's hard for people to give you the benefit of the doubt. You said about about he ended uh, with Rex Ryan. The difference of Rex Ryan that of Rex Ryan is that he he because he was winning. He said these things while winning. Robert Solid, listen, I'm not saying that. Robert, I'm wait a second, was- Emmanuel. I just said Rex Ryan said those things at his introductory press conference. How the hell was he right. winning on his first press conference? He hadn't coached a game yet. I mean, I mean, and he joined the games. But I will say about Robert Sala, I'm not. I mean, look, I think he's a right, he's a right fit of his team. But I will say this: if this team do not improve, and and also they will go back to what he said about receiving, said, you know what? Uh, excuse me, what have you done for me lately? I mean, that's why I get where the fans are coming from, and the media guys like Keyshawn and and um, um and Tenenbaum. Because we live in a society now that's what have you done for me lately? And unfortunately, Salah has not done a good job. I mean, let's be fair. Let's be honest. Emmanuel, let me ask you a question. And look, I don't mean to be personal when I ask this, but if you don't mind, what do you do for a living? Um, I used to work for a nonprofit organization. All right, that doesn't correlate to football at all. But let me just say... If whatever you do in your chosen path of life, you want to do it to the best of your ability. And sometimes maybe, you know, there's other people that work at your job that do it better than you or something. And you want to improve and you want to get to that level or so on and so forth. If you came out and said, I'm going to be better and, you know, you'll see I'm going to do a better job than this person or that person. If somebody said to you, then, you know what, worry about your own work and worry about your own business, not anybody else. And I don't want to hear about how good of a job you're going to do. Do you think that there would be any problem with that? That's a good question. That's a tough. That's a tough. That's a tough answer to answer that. Well, I mean, like for instance, if if I come on here and, and Emmanuel, thank you for the phone call and good luck with the nonprofit stuff. If I come on here and say, you know what, I'm going to do as good as a, a, a talk show as anybody that does talk radio. That's uncalled for. What am I supposed to say? I'm going to sit here and do a bad show. I'm going to put people to sleep. Is that what? Is that what? Is that what you want me to say? I got. I, I should worry about just doing my show. I mean, so many other coaches, figures, players in sports, not just in football and not just in this town, have said comments along the lines of what Robert Sala articulated yesterday, and they heard nowhere near any of the pushback that he received for comments that I thought were, quite frankly, pretty innocent. Pretty innocent. Niall up next, North Jersey, Dan Grasser Show. What's up, Niall? 
What's going on? Uh, I just feel like this season uh, we have some good pieces, and um, I think Tyler's the man for the job. Uh, but it's been too long since we haven't made the playoffs. We haven't done anything. And um, this season will pretty much tell me all I need to know about what he's going to do with the Jets. And uh, I just feel like his comments were just – he didn't have to do that at this point. You know what I'm saying? Just play, you know, just win some games. So that's how I feel about uh, the Tyler situation. Well, I, and thanks I've been for the Jets fan for, for, yeah. since the seventh grade. I, and you know what? I'm sure those were tough days in the seventh grade, right? And and maybe the oh, eighth grade and probably the twelfth grade. No, no, that's that's Herm Edwards' day. Oh, and then it was Rex Ryan. So we had we had we were we were a playoff team at that point. So you're right. You, so you got a little bit of success. And you know what? It, it it's dried out over the last decade, right? It's dried out. But what? Somebody tell me what is he supposed to say? What do you want him to say? You want him to say we're going to continue losing? We're never going to turn this thing around? It's hopeless? You know, I don't even know why you bother watching the games or coming to the games because all we've done is lose for the last 10 years and we're just going to keep on losing? Is that what you want him to say? Like, I don't know why you need to be beaten down even more. I would think that you would want a guy in there who's displaying a little bit of leadership, who is exuding confidence, something this organization hasn't shown on the football field in the longest of times. And there's actual fans of this team who are taking exception with it. Like, I, I just cannot comprehend that for the life of me. Ed is in Connecticut. He's up next here on 98.7 ESPN. Edward, how are you? I'm all right. How you doing? Good, Ed. What's up? Okay. I, I just – your take is completely wrong on this. Tell me it's why. Not because it's not – it's what he says is terrifying. The fact that he says – that what, after that game, that we're going to be fine, that there's nothing wrong with this team, we're not the same old Jets, and he turns and plays the victim, it shows that he has no idea what's wrong with this team, and he's not going to be able to fix it. Well, let me, Ed, let me ask you a question. Do you really feel that after one game, a game that did not even feature their starting quarterback playing in the game, that you think the final chapter on the 2022 New York Jets has been written because of one I game? Do. I absolutely do. Oh, my because gosh. Because it's the same old thing. We we go out, we get two tight ends. We're going to finally have some tight ends. They're not involved in the game plan at all. We go out and get an early draft pick, Garrett Wilson, who's going to be the savior. He's barely on the field. They already ruined Mims. We got him. But, hey, we, these guys know better. He's not worth it. He'd be on the field. Same thing, drops, fumbles, misplays, out of position. There's no accountability on this team. The coach allows it, doesn't call them out, and still has their back, which means there will be no change. Ed, I, I mean, you know what? I'll tell you. You know, like, you know how sometimes, and Ed, thanks for the phone call. You know how there's sometimes you get presented with a question, like who's the guy that you want in a foxhole with you? Ed is not that guy. I, I mean, think about that. Ed is jumping ship already after four quarters of football. Four quarters. You imagine that? He's still got 16 more games, and Ed is done. Finished. He's seen enough. Done. And by the way, a couple of things he said are inaccurate. I mean, I, I just let him go. But Garrett Wilson played 41 snaps on Sunday. Might not have been to your liking, but there were only two other wide receivers who played more than him on the team. Okay? It's not like we're talking about Kadarius Toney on the Giants who played seven snaps. Garrett Wilson played 41 snaps in his first NFL game. That's not chump change. And number two... um, what was the other thing he said? I forgot. I lost my train of thought. He said so many things. I forgot. He mentioned Garrett Wilson, and then what was the other thing that he mentioned? Now, the other thing with the tight end, there was something else, too. Tight ends and... I don't know. It'll come to me. One of them. I don't know. Uh, Mike in New Jersey, up next, 98.7 ESPN. Mike, how are you? 
Hey, Dan. How you doing? What's up, Mike? Good, thanks. Uh, I got no problem with it. I'm a Jet fan. I mean, I, I just think you can't please people. Uh, he's he's putting the the, uh, the the emphasis on himself here. It's not his players talking. If he's losing sleep over this, it's one thing. But I, And it wasn't even like he's going on and on about it. It was a comment that was made in general frustration of the situation. And, and it's not, again, he's not repeating himself here. I just, I, I just think that people are just going to never be happy with anything. And, uh, you know, it, I also wanted to just mention your, 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 what you're saying about Dable. You mm-hmm. know, what Dable, what Dable did isn't, isn't moronic like Hackett did. I mean, you, you're, there's no guarantee you're going to get the ball back in overtime. You're right by the goal line. You go for the win. You go for the juggle. Look what happened with Indianapolis. Um, no guarantee. No, and the, and, and the time, percentages, so. right? I mean, like if you want to buy into all the analytics and so on and so forth, like going for two is now a statistical advantage compared to even kicking an extra point. You know, because it's what from two, three yards out. So right, but but you know how things are, Mike. Like if the Giants wouldn't have gotten the two point conversion, like fans would be sitting here. I mean, some of them would at least be sitting of here course. criticizing him, saying, "Oh, why didn't you take the safer alternative?" But I loved what Dayball did. Loved it. I did too, and that's just my point. That you're not going to make everyone happy, and people are always going to be second guessing things and not agreeing. So, appreciate the phone call, Michael. You get back to us here eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. That is the telephone number. Remember, Anthony Bechtel joins us in about fifteen minutes. Go over the Jets and the Giants week one. More of your calls when we return. Dan Gross's show ninety eight seven ESPN. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. Tristan Casas, a two-run shot off Garrett Cole. So the Sox up 2-0 on the Bombers. Ian Happ, a solo blast off Jacob DeGrom. 1-0 Cubbies out at City Field. 800-919-3776. That's the telephone number. Here's Artie in Brooklyn. He's up next here on 98.7. What's up, Art? Hey, Dave. Thank you very much for taking the call. Yeah. You know, when I called you yesterday, I wanted to talk about Sally a little bit, too. Look, when they hired him, Right? How can you not like the, the move? Defense on it, all that. The only thing I did have to say was that it's such an offensive like game now that I would want a, like an offensive coach. But you know what? When he was talking about the no gas and all this stuff like that, and you could just tell he just knew. I was like, this is the guy. But the thing that you can't do is you can't do what he did as far as like you know, I got receipts. Like, he's showing, like, he's going and listening to media and stuff like that, like a, like a sensitive side. And he is a play. He's a player's coach, and it worked for some, right? But football, to me, is not really a player's coach. Now, Carroll left, came back, and he's very successful. I don't know how many player coaches there are and stuff like that, but, I mean – that's that's the only thing too. I I don't know why you're taking it so like the criticism. What did, what did Tannenbaum say that was so dead? Other than saying that you can't go after you, you just worry about the games and stop worrying about what the people are saying outside. What is so bad about that? Well, here's the thing, Art. You know what it is though. The people, whether it's coaches, whether it's GMs, whether it's players, the ones that come out and say that I don't read anything. I don't listen to all the noise. I don't hear any of the criticism or any of the whatever. They're lying. They're lying 100% because, you know what, even if they don't hear it themselves or if they're not actively seeking it out, there are people there alerting them to it. Because, for example, let's say if there's a player who doesn't want to get involved in any of that stuff or the coach, before they meet the media the next time, okay, whether it's the players, whether it's the coach, you have the PR staff 
who meet with them and tell them, hey, this is what's being talked about because you're probably going to get a question regarding A, B, or C. So just so you know, this is what's being said. So any player or coach out there that tells you that they don't listen and they don't know and they don't hear, they are lying. A thousand percent lying. Look, you got to. But you you also can't let them see that it bothers you. You know what I'm saying? Like, I called you yesterday, and I actually asked you a question Mm -hmm. on Salah making a decision and saying, do you think that he wouldn't start white because everybody else is telling him to start white? That that came from his press conference. Because I'm sitting there, I'm going, he's worried about what people are saying. Like, just don't worry about that kind of stuff, man. Look, if you don't win games, you're not going to be here. But don't, don't like, add fuel to the fire and stuff. Like, I don't want him to be the, the Joe Judge in the days. Right. He, he deserves a chance to build his team. I want him to be here next year. All right, man. Thanks a lot. All right, be good. Uh, look, you want a coach who's going to be here because if a coach is still going to be here, then that means you're actually heading in the right direction. You can't keep playing the musical chairs game at head coach and changing it every two, three. How does that work out? How does it worked out for the Giants, right? They went through uh, the last two head coaches and they only got two years each. And that, you know, when Art brought up the quarterback thing, by the way, because I know that that's another reason that's kind of been floated out there on, on certain levels. Let me tell you this. They're going to play who they feel gives them the best chance to win because it goes back to what we were talking about before. Robert Sala or any head coach for that matter, they want to win games because they need to win games to keep their job. And they're going to play the guys, whether it's the quarterback, the wide receiver, the tight end, the safety, you name it. The ones that give them the best chance to win. Because if they don't win games, they're going to be gone. They're going to be gone. So all this drama that's kind of being driven out there, that, oh, there's an agenda, and that's why they're not playing Mike White. And I mean, that is, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Let's say hi to uh, Chris in Jersey. Who's up next? You're on 98.7 ESPN. What's up, Chris? Hey, Dan. Thanks for taking the call. I appreciate it. Hey, Chris. So listen, I hope you make let me make a couple points here. I've been watching sports forever. I called you a couple weeks back on something else altogether. I listen mm-hmm. to you all the time. You're 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 around the Jets more than you're around the Jets more than anybody else, right? And it's so funny. Every time you and Gregor after the game, I'm in the same spot all the time. I'm food shopping, and it's the same conversation for the last. You go five food years, shopping right? after the game, Chris? No, I go food shopping at four o'clock in the afternoon. Gotcha. And I get out of the car for the river it is. Here's my point. Tell me if you agree with this. Yeah. I think with Salah, I think he has every right to get the, get the flack he's getting for the comment. And here's why. It's not so much that anybody else said it, no one would say anything. It's the tone that he said it with. It's a little bit of that early arrogance that he hasn't earned yet as a leader. It's not showing leadership. Here's my thoughts. Persona. Rex Ryan was hired because of his name, and he had this persona. If you remember him in San Fran, Salah, he's on the sidelines. He's this big, strong guy. He's good-looking. He's got that intimidating persona. It's almost like he got the job off that persona. Now he's in New York, and guess what? He's crumbling. He's not the strong guy. He looks it, but he's not, and he hears everything. You walk past anywhere. You're going to hear Chris, somebody Chris, you know talking. what the biggest difference is between San Francisco and New York, aside from the fact that now he's the head coach before he was the defensive coordinator? Those teams in San Francisco were winning. Okay, he hasn't won true. here yet. That's the difference. I don't think it's fair to say he's crumbling, but let me also throw this one at you because it's a results-oriented business, and I think the fans feed off that too. How many times during the two years that Adam Gase was here 
were I mean, how many? I mean, we took calls constantly. We heard it nonstop. Oh, Gase Absolutely. is so lifeless on the sidelines. That, he just sits my, there that, with us. That's back to my, that, that, back to my and you point say, about, And they and said the same thing you. about Todd Bowles. They said the same thing about oh, Todd Bowles. Oh, oh, what oh, if absolutely. he shows some more emotion? I, so now you have a guy absolutely. who's exuding leadership, but now it's being but misconstrued as arrogance. I don't think. I don't think he's exuding leadership right now. I'm not saying he's not, but he's he's basically saying game one. And by the way, the Jets have a chance to have a good season. Are they? I don't know, right? But, again, he's going out there saying, I'm taking numbers. I'm taking receipts. It's almost like you haven't earned anything to say that yet. Kind of take the hits a little more. I think he needs to take a couple more hits. And then when there's three wins in, he could say, guys really called us out in the, first, in the beginning of the year. Let's see what we could do. Like, he's not showing to me, mm-hmm. my point of view, that confidence. But, again, I'm not even a Jets fan. I'm a Patriots fan, and they suck. Yeah, but yeah Pats again. aren't any good. I'll, I'll tell you that. Chris, and thanks for the phone call. See, I thought he was a Jet fan. That's why he goes food shopping at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. But I appreciate that he listens to the show. We got Patriot fans listening to us. That's good. This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs>